Chapter 13. Ozai lifts a hand that's red with flame. What are you doing? Hey, Ozai, I'm stepping in for Iroh. Law of substitution, something, something. Now Katar grabs his wrist, utterly aghast. Ozai freezes too, hand raised. Then he extinguishes it and wheels around to face him. The law of substitution, he says icily, is reserved for those with an equal claim to the duel. Here, you would need a legal right to the throne. Right, Sokka replies with a slightly hysterical grin on his face. I totally knew that. So let's do this. He puts up his fists in a mock boxing stance. Sokka, Katara hisses. Heal Iroh, he hisses back before turning again to Ozai. Sokka's doing his best to muster up all his courage, the mildly unhanded optimism that convinced him to wait for the line to be cut before jumping off the gondola. He's also taking some inspiration from his first meeting with Zuko. The guy had flung himself headfirst into battle with the Avatar in a place filled with ice, well before he knew that Aang was a pacifist 12-year-old who could only bend air. More importantly, Sokka's channeling the sheer oblivious audacity of Yui's fiancé Han, strutting off in his 85-year-old Fire Navy armor to defeat Admiral Cho. Sokka struts out into the courtyard, right up to the Fire Lord. Ozai towers over him staring at him with equal amounts of amusement and irritation written on his face. His long hair flutters in the breeze. His not inconsiderable muscles gleam an eerie red. Sokka can spot traces of Zuko in that face. What? Sokka asks, stopping short. You want a legal claim to the throne? I've got that. Really? He sneers. Of course. What kind of fool do you think I am? Before Ozai can answer, Sokka raises a hand. Let me start over. Hi. I wish we were meeting in nicer circumstances. I'm Sokka of the Southern Water Tribe. He puts out his hand. Ozai does not clasp it. Sokka takes it back. I'm your son-in-law, he continues cheerily. After you exiled Zuko, I secretly married him. There are audible gasps all around the courtyard. Ozai simply lifts his eyebrows and then glances over his head at the fire sages. Is he lying? There's a ritual, Zuko taps out frantically for determining whether someone's a legitimate part of the royal family. He made me do it one time because he hoped I was a bastard. The fire sages have whipped themselves into a flurry of activity. Nobody seems to care about Katara, slowly dragging Iroh back to the sidelines to be healed. Bring up the embers, calls one of the sages. You'll have to hold a pile of sacred embers. If you're a royal, you'll be okay. Otherwise, your hands will get blown off. Sokka tilts his head. He doesn't dare voice his question, not now that Ozai is turned back to him. Zuko answers anyway. Strictly speaking, a ghost marriage might not count for the line of succession. In fact, it shouldn't. Otherwise, any random person could declare themselves married to any dead royal. The whole system would fall apart. Great. Perfect. Not like that obliterates Sokka's already flimsy excuse for a plan. 
The sages bring out a brazier and beckon him towards the temple entrance. And he swaggers over, swinging his arms, projecting brazen confidence with every step. These are the sacred embers, one sage informs him. You'll have to... Sokka promptly puts out his hands, crunches his eyes shut, and prepares for scorching pain. All he feels is a comfortable warmth. When he opens one eye, his hands are heaped with red-hot rocks, but there isn't even a hint of hurt. His claim is honest, comes the sage's declaration. There is not the slightest smoke. His union is blessed wholeheartedly by Agni himself. I could have told you that, Sokka boasts. Heartbeat hammering his ribs as he drops the embers back into the brazier. Okay, Fire Lord, you up for the challenge? Ozai's eyes drift closed, as if he's asking the spirits what he did to deserve this. If prompted, Sokka would be happy to give him a list. I accept your challenge, he finally intones, sounding profoundly unimpressed. Cool! Sokka puffs up his chest. So, we should talk terms. I don't need armor or anything, but where I come from, we like wearing clothes outdoors, so I'm going to keep my shirt on. Ozai waves a hand dismissively. Keep whatever you like. I... thanks. But I want to make sure we do this right and follow all the proper Fire Nation traditions. It wouldn't be honorable to cut corners. So if I'm keeping my shirt and my accessories... like this? With one hand, he points at the trademark bone necklace. It's got sentimental value. Very well. Ozai sighs. Sokka casually twists the ring on his other hand, hiding a glowing green stone from view. It came from the sparky-sparky boom crystals closest to Boomy's house. From the tunnels of Oma and Shu. I also want to keep these two weapons. Sokka twirls his sword around, demonstrating that it's perfectly normal. Then he briefly lifts Boomerang, its sharpened edge glinting red in the night. They're traditional weapons back home. I figure it's only fair if I have them, seeing how I can't bend. And that gets Ozai's attention. You're not a bender? He states. Nope. Then Sokka frowns. Wait, do you want a sword too? Because I don't want anyone to come back crying that my terms weren't fair to you. Ozai interrupts, ignoring what Sokka considers a rather generous offer. Are you genuinely attempting this? He sweeps a hand backwards, gesturing at the half-scorched courtyard. With a sword? With a sword? A boomerang? He waggles Boomerang in the air and pouts at its exclusion. And the power of the sun! Ozai looks lazily upward at the completely sun-free night sky. Then he looks back down. That's light from the comet, not the sun. I know, Sokka says, words speeding up. You firebenders are supposed to really love the sun, right? And if it was daytime during the comet, I doubt I'd ever have a chance one-on-one -on -one against you. Um, really, you could say it's the absence of a sun that I'm using to my advantage. So, yeah, can I use your awesome Fire nation son against you? Sokka grins and clicks two finger guns at Ozai. Sokka's not breathing. He quit breathing a while back as the babbling sped almost out of his control, as the scowl deepened on Ozai's face until Sokka became quite sure he'd die right there, struck down by lightning on the spot. Yes, if that's all, Ozai finally says with remarkable restraint. I accept your terms gladly. Sokka nods. That's all. Ozai moves like he's about to turn and walk to the gate at the other end of the courtyard. That's how these things all start, right? Two people on opposite sides? Then he pauses, favors Sokka with a toothy smile, and makes an observation. You and my son were well-matched in intellect. Sokka inhales for eight counts before he dons a grand smile of his own. Thanks! We definitely thought so! Sokka steals a desperate glance at Katara, bent over Iroh's prone body. 
She meets his gaze and shakes her head. She says she'll need hours to heal him. Sokka checks that his sword's sharp, and he double-checks that Boomerang's where it's supposed to be, stowed behind his back again. He turns back towards the temple and kneels in the ceremonial position that Iroh took, resting his forehead against his knee. You got the plan? Yes, quietly, and these last moments of silence, mouth carefully hidden from non-ghostly observers. I know you said you couldn't have beaten him, even with a throne on the line. I will never let him burn you. I swear it. Eight counts in, eight counts out. Zuko's hands are on his waist. Stop stalling! Ozai jeers from a courtyard away. Sokka takes another slow breath, just to be contrary, and then rises. The Fire Lord hurls out a cone of flame. Sokka flicks the switch on his ring. Then there's nothing to shield Sokka but rainbows. Green and blue and red collide with Ozai's golden firestorm, their colors swirling together at the center of the courtyard. Sokka clicks furiously, so fast he's afraid the little switch will break. It doesn't. Zuko seizes every spark he flings out and breathes it into a bouquet of variegated flame and feeds it into his central attack. Ozai's blast grows, expanding until it spans the courtyard and leaps higher than the rooftop. Yet Zuko steadily matches it. Not a single spark of Ozai's makes it to Sokka's side of the courtyard. When the first round of flames dies down, Ozai's face is glowering with rage. Sokka flicks the switch. Zuko attacks. He propels two streams of blue-green fire towards Ozai. The streams twine together. It looks more like waterbending than firebending. And gain speed the further they go, like Zuko zooming with them and hurrying them along. Yet Ozai kicks out his own sheet of flame, and the rainbows disintegrate instantly. Quickly recovering, Zuko throws forth a vertical sheet of flame. He chases it up with a quick series of fireballs. They all meet the same fate, shattered easily by Ozai's fire. They can't burn Ozai. He's too good for that, too skilled to be brought down by any sort of standard firebending. Sokka's brain hands him an idea for a mechanical lightning generator. He could conduct the current with metal wires, and maybe Zuko could redirect it at opponents. But he discards it. It's way too late for that now. Zuko seems to agree. Ordinary attacks will do no good. He retreats to near Sokka, briefly brushing his shoulder before bringing up a circular wall of flames, blocking yet another gigantic plume of orange fire. Then Ozai hurls out his own rapid barrage of blasts, though Sokka only knows them from the sound. He's shielded on all sides now by a dome shell. There's nothing but rainbows in every direction, as far as he can see. The ground quakes from the blasts, and Sokka gets the feeling that they're starting to really make Ozai mad. It's not a pleasant thought. Sokka keeps clicking away, and Ozai keeps firing, and Zuko keeps blocking and occasionally returning fire. Sokka crouches low to the ground, so Zuko has to cover as little space as possible. Then Sokka's thumb cramps. He instantly drops his sword and resumes clicking with the other hand, but he's sure his destiny ends here. He might die from an ill-timed hand cramp, but really, it'll be Ozai's fire in his face, and really, he'll just be one more casualty of a century's senseless violence. If he's lucky, he'll get to haunt the palace and make himself a nuisance to Fire Nation royals for centuries to come. If he's really lucky, he'll get to keep Zuko. Zuko. Sokka's clicking away, but none of the sparks are turning to flame anymore. The domes wisp away, and Sokka shoots to his feet, just in time to see Ozai rocketing into the air. There's fire under his feet, propelling him upwards, and in his hands he's gathering two grand fistfuls of flames. 
Sokka clicks. The sparks die. But then, the jets under Ozai's feet wink out, one after the other, and Sokka's jaw falls open. Zuko and Ozai are doing battle, in the air. After dropping a couple feet, Ozai relights the jets easily, and he swipes fire with his hands, trying to bat away whatever invisible parasites attached to him. Zuko ignores his attacks in favor of putting out the jets, and gravity tugs Ozai a couple feet down every time he does. It's fantastically petty. Sokka watches their mid-air wrestling match, stretching his thumb and almost bursting with pride. It takes a minute, but Zuko at last manages to put out all the fire holding him up, and then supercharges an upward-facing flame that Ozai was kindling in his palm. It flares bright and abruptly propels Ozai down, and he plummets into the stone of the courtyard. His body strikes the ground with a mighty crash, dust rising all around him. He's only a few yards from Sokka. He begins to push himself up, barely affected by what should have been a deadly fall, but Sokka grabs his chance. He grabs his sword and charges with a proper war cry and screams out a hundred years of pain and horror and loss and... Sokka stabs Fire Lord Ozai. It's not a clean hit. Ozai rolls out of reach, and what should have been a direct strike to the liver just slashes his torso. Zuko jerks Sokka back by the shoulder as Ozai lets out a wordless growl, and Sokka clicks just in time for Zuko to block another raging torrent of fire. And then Ozai casually cauterizes his own wound with one hand, while also blocking Zuko's next attack. He's cool about it, not even a wince. For the moment, Ozai's given up on his dreams of flying like a phoenix. He stays confined to the ground, but his bending takes on a wild edge. His fire stretches wider and higher. It burns hotter, and even as Zuko protects Sokka from the core of each attack, the fringes shoot past them, setting the rest of the temple alight behind him. Rubble patters down around them. Smoke clogs the air. Somehow, Sokka stays standing. A stolen look confirms that Katara's standing too, though she's watching the duel without any ice to protect her. They're still alive, but their luck can't hold out forever. Sokka searches for an opening. Zuko launches a low, whirling ring of flame that expands outward along the ground, and Sokka's abruptly reminded of Kyoshi Village. Back then, Zuko had fallen to the ground and kicked out a ring of flame like this one, only smaller and red. Sokka's never seen anyone else bend quite like that. Ozai has to pause his attacks to block it. For an instant, he just pauses, like he recognizes this move too. On instinct, Sokka reaches back for Boomerang and hurls it into the fray. Ozai ducks it easily, and it vanishes behind another wave of red-orange flame, and then the red vanishes too. It's replaced by sudden blue. By lightning. Lightning springs from nowhere, sizzling and deafening and forking all around Sokka, white-hot and sprawling in a way Azula's couldn't. Sokka throws his hands up. He knows, he knows it's a useless act of self-defense. Yet Zuko catches the center of the current, just before it fries him, gathering all the light where his hands might be, and he hurls lightning at Ozai, a brilliant blaze that catches him in the chest. A moment later, Boomerang comes back. It returns to Sokka's hand, a sharpened edge dripping blood. Ozai crumples. Sokka remains standing. It's a trick, he whispers to himself after a few seconds of silence. It's got to be a trick. He's playing dead to lure me in and smoke me for good. My father would never feign weakness, Zuko replies. It's a matter of honor, something something. Sokka buries his head in his free hand as a brief demonic cackle seizes his facial muscles. This can't be happening. 
No way. He's unconscious, but still breathing. That snaps Sokka back to reality. He slowly pulls himself back together and walks over to Ozai's twisted body, afraid of what he'll find. There's a star-shaped scar on his chest from the redirected lightning. Boomerang's rebound got the back of his head, now damp with blood. You shouldn't kill him now that he can't fight. You legally won the crown, but if you push too much further, you won't keep it. The second you take the crown, you could face a challenge, or worse, a military coup. Sokka crouches down. Ozai's lying on his right side, hair in disarray. His crown's fallen off, perhaps knocked out of place by Boomerang. Sokka grabs it. Uh, but what about you? He murmurs. You could kill him. Or not. You've got options. What do you mean? I mean, is what you want vengeance against the person who really started this all? An eye for an eye? There's no answer as Sokka gently brushes Ozai's long hair out of his face, baring his left cheek. He brings his ring closer than is strictly necessary. Click. The sparks fly from the gem and then fizz out, untouched. No. Zuko says eventually, That isn't what I need. Sokka nods, rocks back on his heels, and tries to figure out what to do with a wounded Fire Lord. Ex-Fire Lord? Now that he's got one. He's made a lot of plans for the night of the comet, but none of them ever got this far. Katara? She flings herself across the courtyard, grabbing him in a tight, silent hug. I'd hug Zuko, too, she says finally, face buried in the crook of his shoulder. If I could. Wanna get in on this? Sokka asks. Tentatively, Zuko embraces him, too, pressing against his back and wrapping his arms around Sokka. It's a bit odd. His hands keep phasing through Katara, so Sokka can feel them both in the same spot. But eventually, he works out an anatomically plausible group hug. What are we going to do with Ozai? Sokka sighs. Leave him? Katara pulls back to inspect the guy. Oh, no way, he warns. We are not healing Ozai right now. He'll just go right back to setting the world on fire. Suddenly, the red ambient glow in the air is replaced with white, and Sokka glances up to see... Yue? That's Yue floating in midair. No fire jets this time, just twinkling otherworldly spirit magic. She slowly spins, surveying all the Fire Nation guards and sages lining the courtyard. There are more of them than there were before. A crowd must have gathered to watch while Sokka wasn't looking. As she deserves, they look up to her in awe. The Fire Nation's crimes have spanned a century and scarred every country, even this one, she says. Her voice is sweet and silvery like he remembers, yet it's layered now with undeniably superhuman power. Under Fire Lord Ozai's orders, the moon spirit was slain, and every waterbender was robbed of their bending. I do not seek vengeance, but the world will never be safe under Fire Lord Ozai's rule. Let healing begin here. She kneels down by Ozai, drawing water straight from the humid air, and placing one hand on his brow, the other on his heart. Her hand begins to glow like Katara's do when she heals, but their light is a blinding white. She's dowsing his inner flame, Zuko reports, fingerprints speeding with excitement. His soul used to be made of flame, like firebenders are, but I can see it turning to air like everyone else's. Sokka nods, accepting the explanation the way he's accepted every other surreal twist of the day. Then he works through the implications. Are you taking his bending away? He exclaims, his voice ringing through the court. She simply nods. When Yue finishes her work, she rises and smiles right at Sokka. 
There's melancholy in it, but beyond that, contentment. Then her gaze flits to thin air, to Zuko, who began holding Sokka's hand at some point. Before she fades, she smiles on him, too. After a night of extreme weirdness, Sokka briefly finds himself where he planned, fighting off a bunch of the Fire Lord's guards. Your victory was won without honor and is thus rendered invalid, a crotchety old fire sage squawks at him. Okay, so they're spiritual guards of the general office of Fire Lord, but the point stands. How is that without honor? Sokka demands. Do you think it was easy standing in front of Ozai during a comet and not losing my mind? You clearly had external assistance from some supernatural entity, though why any firebending spirit would side with an usurper from the southern water tribe I can't imagine. The entity, Sokka interrupts, is the ghost of Prince Zuko, who sided with me because we believe in the same principles. Then you must have enslaved his soul. No. Zuko supports me freely, and I support him freely, and I would never do a thing like that to my husband. His chest heaves as he spits the words, suddenly furious. It's true, another sage remarks. The bond between them is a strong and well-woven rope, not like a chain at all. He's swaying a little. Sokka smells cactus juice on his breath. Regardless, says a third sage wearily, you were not allowed to receive anyone else's help during your Agni Kai. Sokka cocks his head again. Really? Because I definitely remember the Fire Lord agreeing when I asked, can I use your awesome Fire Nation-y son against you? Sometimes there are advantages to announcing sneak attacks at the top of your lungs. So Sokka wins the Fire Lord's crowd on the strength of his wordplay. The only reason they let you through is because they expect Azula to challenge you within the week, Zuko warns him. Good thing I'm going to abdicate as soon as I rose up, Sokka whispers back, fiddling with his new hair accessory. He's been growing his hair out, but it's still not enough to hold Ozai's spiky headpiece in place. The damn thing keeps falling out. He's sitting in the palace's medical wing, where Katara compares notes with Fire Nation doctors on Iroh's case. Zuko assures them that they're the most competent doctors around for treating firebending injuries. Apparently, Zuko had many chances to appreciate their skills growing up. And that's another reason why Sokka's tempted to go down a couple beds and slit Ozai's throat right now. But no, he's going to look past revenge. I shouldn't do anything political, Sokka keeps muttering. Nothing that'll convince one of the cabinet ministers to challenge me right this second. No banishing Ozai until he captures the Avatar, no matter how tempting it might be. Still, Sokka's the Fire Lord, at least for tonight. There's got to be something worth doing with all that power. What should I do? He asks. Ban the consumption of turtle ducks? Tempting, but there might be serious economic implications for farmers that we haven't thought of. I know what to do! He checks that Katara's okay for now, and then he seeks out the fire sages. I need you to take me to the royal family shrine. Fire Lord Sokka, please understand that harming the family shrine may rouse the anger of spirits who protect the Fire Nation. I swear on my honor, he assures them. I'm out of my grade desecration stage. He isn't desecrating the shrine, really. Sokka enters alone, with Zuko, always with Zuko, bearing two freshly engraved tablets. You have to show me, he says, voice quiet in reverence. Where's your mother's spot? Zuko guides his hand to the proper space. Carefully, Sokka inserts Ursa back into her rightful place, and then he flicks the switch on his ring so Zuko can light a stick of incense in her memory. One tablet to go. Where should I put this? 
just under hers. Sokka bows his head as tears struggle up his throat. The Fire Lord's crown weighs too heavily on his head, and his heart has been ripped open a hundred times today by both pain and hope, and he nearly died. He nearly died so many times, and while he might have made it as a ghost in his own right, he more likely would have left this world forever without telling Zuko goodbye. Without telling Zuko. You want to light a stick of incense for yourself? I don't think the formalities matter so much to me. Sokka nods and lifts Zuko's tablet into its empty space. As he places it, he finally pulls the words from his own throat. By the way, Zuko, I love you. The world goes white. For a moment there's nothing but impossible radiance enveloping him. So bright he forgets the shelves and the tablets and the rest of the world. He forgets everything but white light. If he squints, he can see it's woven from every color in the rainbow. Just as suddenly, it disappears, shooting through the ceiling of the shrine. Zuko? There's no answer. He tries again, but there's nothing. Sokka runs out past a horde of dumbstruck fire sages. He's just in time to see Zuko's soul leave him in a blaze of glory, ascending from the shrine straight towards the stars. <laughs>